Hi there. Welcome to the podcast that is Stories That Made Us. This is the third episode of our weekly series on creation stories. Today, we trek across continents for our stories begin with the Altaic people of Central Asia. After which, we head all the way to Australia for tales of the Aboriginal Arente. We conclude the episode with the wonderful creation myth of the Boshongo tribe of Central Africa. The first story is of the Altaic people, named so after their language. This family of Altaic languages was originally spoken in the Altai Mountains of Central Asia. They typically are the cultures of three branches of this family, Turkish, Mongolian, and Tungusic, the language that is spoken in Siberia and parts of Manchuria in China. Geographically, the family of these languages covers the lands that extend from Asia Minor into Central, East, and North Asia. They predominantly are Turks, Mongolians, Manchurians, and peoples of the Caucasus regions. This is their story. The whole world was water, just endless water as far as the eye could see. There was no wind and no sound, for nothing moved, just great frightful water. It is said that if a snake should drink this water, death would fall upon it immediately, and if a dead scorpion drank it, it would be filled with drops of light and life. But there was no snake, and there was no scorpion, just vast, endless water. In this nothingness, however, there was a god, Karahan. He was the resplendent gander who flew incessantly over the water. There was no sound, no movement. Nothing but the eternal flapping of the great god's wings. And so it was, for millennia and millennia, until God found emptiness and loneliness creeping into his heart. For there was no song, and there was no beauty. There was no one to talk to, no companionship. Karahan, the great gander, was alone alone and restless above the desolate water. Then one day, the exasperated gander said, I am God, I need not be lonely. It was then that he heard a beautiful and melodious voice. Karahan, God Karahan. The voice seemed to have risen from the waters as it stirred, moved and parted. From this water issued the beautiful voice again. You are one, dear God. Oneness is godly. Oneness is lonely. Karahan trembled. His wings stretched down as he swept towards the water, searching for the enigmatic speaker. Who are you? Who do you speak to? If I am the one God, the sole being in this universe, 
then who are you? In reply, the great water parted, and there arose the beautiful Akana, the White Mother. God Karahan is infinitely wise, but even he was both flummoxed and mesmerized at this sight. Barely able to speak, he questioned, What beauty is this? It is the beauty that comforts my loneliness. Seeing you soothes the heart and calms the mind. Who are you, spirit? He further said, I am God, and yet I do not know you. Tell me, who are you? Akana gave God a most enigmatic smile and said, I am Akana, water's sister. I am your creation, the one of whom you forgot. In your boredom and loneliness, you forgot me. Akana then continued, Before you began to fly above the waters, O God, I did not exist. Then you created me, and I rested under the water. There have I lived, until I saw that you were lonely. Even for God, the one who knows not death, loneliness is deadly. You are God. You are one. Oneness is godly, but oneness is lonely. This she told Karahan. Still captivated by her melodious voice, Karahan sighed. I am God, yes but there is no one to call me so. Who knows that I am God, for above the endless water do I fly forever. There is nothing under and nothing above. So what does it matter that I am God? Akana whispered but one word, Create. Her voice echoed through the water below and the sky above. God realized his purpose. Create. Then the water wavered inward again and folded as Akana, the White Mother, sank back to her domain, her brightness sinking into the watery depths. With her gone, it felt as if the world was cast in eternal darkness. Such was her radiant beauty. Even though Akana was gone, her word stuck with the great god. Create, create, it thumped within his heart, it echoed across the universe. And so it was, that at a time when there was no sun, nor earth, when there was no moon and no stars, there was just water, and above the endless water, flew two ganders. One was flawless and white, our god Karahan. The other was black. It was god's new companion, Erkishi. Together they flew, for god had hearkened Akana's advice and created a companion. With his new companion, he found happiness and joy. But this was not to last. For before long, 
Erkishi's heart was filled with contempt and jealousy towards his god. Why should I fly below Karahan? Erkishi rationalized. Why should God have endless domination? There must be equality between the two of us. After all, we are friends, and friendship is meaningful only when it is between equals. Love is beautiful only when it is between equals and is given freely. I am thus to be his equal, so let him command all that is above. I shall command the waters below. Having thought this, Erkishi bent down and dived into the water. The god Karahan was saddened by his companion's dark heart. Was loneliness truly worse than Erkishi and his tantrums? God thought. Meanwhile, Erkishi emerged from his dive and he flew high higher than God. Then he spun, splashing water all around, including on the feathers of our God. Karahan, do you see how strong I am? Erkishi boasted. I dove without your permission, and I wet your feathers. Great am I, for I have my own will. The vain Erkishi exclaimed, but praising oneself is nothing but empty praise. Buoyed by his boastfulness and a lack of reprimand from God, Erkishi thought to cause more havoc. Instead of diving, now I shall rise, he said. I shall rise above the white gander and fly as the new god. But as the thought merely crossed Erkishi's mind, God took away his flight, making him heavier than lead. And so Erkishi plummeted. Down he went until he crashed into the water, and then farther down as he drowned and was swallowed by the endless ocean. Now seized with fear, Erkishi pleaded endlessly to God. My god Karahan, he cried as water warped his speech and smothered his voice. I did not realize the magnitude of your strength. Please provide me a safe harbor and I will obey your word. The drowning black gander cried. God took pity on the pretender, for magnanimous was his nature and he forgave Erkishi's avarice. Come out, old friend, God said. Rise. To the water, God Karahan commanded. Do not drown, Erkishi. Let him float atop to the surface. And so it was, that with soaking wet feathers did Erkishi rise back to the surface. But alas, he could not fly, for God had clipped his wings. Give me a place, O God, Erkishi cried. Give me a place to rest. Without your help, I will surely drown in the water. God heard the pleas and commanded once more. Let there be a strong rock. His words boomed around the universe 
traveling so deep as to reach the beautiful Akana's ears. She then sent forth a strong rock, the only rock in this empty world. This was to be Erkishi's home. There he sat, and he gazed at the silence of an empty and dreary world. He sat there for a very long time. Eventually, he pleaded that the rock should stretch and cover the endless water. Hearing Erkishi's pleadings, God Karahan directed the Black Gander to dive down to the depths of the ocean and bring up a handful of dirt. Grudgingly, Erkishi followed God's advice and dived. He did not know how far he dived, nor for how long was he under the water, but he did surface with some dirt. God then commanded him to throw the dirt on the water, and there, just like seeds grow into majestic trees, the dirt grew into massive landmasses. Erkishi was fascinated by the god's miracles and all-pervading power. He bowed down to Karahan, worshipping his power and great divine intent. Happy at Erkishi's obeisance, God asked him to continue to dive down and bring more dirt ashore, thereby letting the black gander participate in the creation. Erkishi, with his black heart, however, was incorrigible. He realized that it was he who did all the hard work, while God Karahan only flew above and directed his tasks. Once, when he was deep in his dive, Erkishi thought, So, if God himself asks me to get this earth, it must mean that he cannot get it himself. He must lack the strength, my strength, to bring up dirt from under the water. Therefore, it must also be true that I am more powerful than God. It reasons to be that his godliness is less than mine. Erkishi, with his wayward thoughts and jealous heart, sought to create the rest of the world himself, without any interference from God. The next time, as Erkishi dove underwater, he filled his mouth with dirt for himself, dirt with which he would create a whole new secret world, the world where he would rule, the world where he would be God. When Erkishi then emerged from the water, God, as always, directed him to throw the dirt upon the sea. When Erkishi did as instructed, God made the new land grow. It grew far and wide, spreading beyond what the eye could see. God's earth spread endlessly. This meant that Erkishi, unfortunately, found no place to spit out his earth, for there was no space, none whatsoever beyond God's own. Thus, not finding anywhere to deposit the dirt in his mouth, 
Akishi began to suffocate upon it. God, in his infinite compassion, thus spoke. Spit out the dirt and be saved. Had I not listened to Akana's words, you would not have come to be, nor your anger or your lust to be my equal. God sighed. But since I have made you, I shall save you. Spit the earth out of your mouth. Relieved, Erkishi spat out the dirt immediately. This dirt then turned to ugly hills and mountains upon the erstwhile beautiful earth. It formed broken cliffs and strange boulders which stood out like cantankerous sores. God wrinkled his face and looked down with sadness. See, Akishi, he said, I made a place for you, a place of beauty and peace. See what your pride has done to this beautiful earth. I wanted to make my world, a world where I would be God. You do nothing all day while I toil to make this land. You do not deserve to be God, I do, Erkishi claimed angrily. Hearing this, God was silent. Erkishi mistook this silence for weakness. I should have created you, he yelled with bitterness. You should dive at my command. When Erkishi spoke this, his own creations were shamed. The hills, marshes, valleys, and cliffs felt sorry for having been created by the ungrateful Erkishi. They thus besieged God Karahan as one. Merciful God, forgive us for Erkishi's sins. We did not ask to be created by him. We do not possess Erkishi's hatred or haughtiness. Please, Forgive us for our Creator's sins. God then spoke to Akishi. You exist because I allow it. You did create the land, but only because I let you. However, you have only created evil because you are evil. Akishi, in his insolence and arrogance, replied tersely, You! You created me! You made me what I am! If I am evil, you made me evil! Why did you make me evil when you could have made me good? Answer me, O great God! God thus replied, We flew together, you and I, but in your pride you wished to fly above me. And from this pride, your pride, your evil arose. It did not come from me. That is the answer to your question. After these words, all was silent, eerily silent. Nothing in the world stirred. Then God's voice boomed over all creation a voice of steel with steady resolve. Under the earth is water, and under the water is earth. 
but under it all is great darkness. Into this darkness, Erkishi, you shall go. You will go deep into a realm that is beyond earth and beyond water, a realm beyond light and beauty. Go, I banish you to the underworld. And so Erkishi fell. He fell from the earth and into a land where darkness filled his eyes, his mind, and his heart. In this darkness, Erkishi's own darkness festered and grew like an evil rot. In this darkness, hatred and loneliness grew from his evil heart. Meanwhile, on the surface, God created a tree on the earth. One that was branchless, budless, and leafless. A majestic, but a strange tree. God did not like this tree, and so he said, A tree should branch, a tree should bud and leaf. Let this tree bud and branch, let it be green from root to tip. And the tree grew full and bright. The tree had nine branches, three of which stretched east, and another three west. Two branches stretched south, and one north. The tree made the earth feel joyful. Its branches spread wide, and its green leaves covered the marshes and broken hills. It hid the ugliness of Erkishi's creation and made the world beautiful again. The tree was rooted in the earth, while its branches headed to heaven. In the tree, earth and sky came together, and this is where water's destiny was complete. For the tree gave water a purpose, the purpose of nourishment and life. God then made the sun and the moon, he made winds and currents, but creation was still incomplete, for the world lacked life. Then God said, Let there be birds. And so it was, that many birds flew around the beautiful tree. There was joy in this world, and an end to banality and boredom. The birds sang, they sat on every branch and sang. They sang songs of joy. God then created animals and fish. He made all that walk on earth, fly in sky, and swim under water. But God, however, was still lonely. God thought, and God found what was lacking, and so he said, let there be people. Instantly, the roots of the tree swelled and humanity burst through the earth. There arose nine new people, five men and four women, the ancestors of us all. And so it was, that creation was complete. The earth was full and God Karahan was not lonely anymore. The creation was done. This is the Altaic creation myth.
We now move on to the story of the Arente people, who are a large Australian Aboriginal tribe, with their habitats centered around Alice Springs in Central Australia. This is their story. There was a time when the great creator Karora lay sleeping in the land called Ilbalintia. He was alone and he was in deep slumber. He was covered by soil upon which grew a cornucopia of beautiful flowering plants. There was beauty everywhere, but the world was dark and dreary. From Karora's decorated head rose a tall pole called Natanya. It grew up into the sky. It was a living creature, this pole, whose roots lay under the ground and upon the forehead of the great Karora. Now the god, as he slept, he dreamed, and somehow his dreams turned to reality. He first dreamt of bandicoots, and sure enough, two huge bandicoots slithered out of his armpits and his navel. They broke through the soil and began scurrying about. Then the great god thought of light, and the bright and beautiful sun began to rise over the soak that is Ilbalintia. Then all of a sudden, the great god Karora yawned and woke up from his long and deep slumber. As he did, he burst through the earth, leaving a giant gaping hole, the great Ilbalintia hole that God then filled with the delectable juice of honeysuckle vines. After having woken up from his deep sleep, the God was hungry. He looked around and found the two bandicoots writhing around him. He picked them up roasted them in the heat of the new sun, and thus sated his hunger. Then, when the sun went down, our great god went back to sleep with his arms stretched out. This time, he dreamt of a companion, and so it was that as he dreamt, from his armpit emerged a bullroarer, the ancient musical instrument which he then turned into a handsome young man. When morning came, Karora woke up to find his wish fulfilled. He found his companion in the form of a young man who was lying right beside him. But the man was lifeless. Karora then sang the sacred song, and it is this song that gave life to his child. So happy was Karora that he and his son danced for nights and days. Then over the next few days, Karora birthed many more sons, all of whom were welcomed with the ceremonial dance. Man and bandicoots, however, were the only life in our world. Thus, due to a lack of anything else, God's sons hunted and ate the bandicoots until not one was left anymore. 
Garora then instructed his sons to scour the lands to find more bandicoots. But they all returned empty-handed and hungry. Two days thus passed without any success. Then, on the third day, the sons heard what could only have been an animal's sound. They began searching bandicoot nests in earnest until a strange hairy animal hopped out. Excited and driven by great hunger, the sons hunted this animal down. The creature, however, was no ordinary animal. Upon being captured, it shouted, You have broken my legs! You have crippled me! I am not a real animal! I am Tenterama, a man like you! Ashamed, the hunters backed off as the poor man limped away. This limping man is the ancestor of all kangaroos. Eventually, the sons of Karora found some game and sated themselves. They then returned to Ilbalintia to offer food to their father. Karora, having thus sated his hunger, spoke to his children, ordering them to sit in a circle around him. Then the honeysuckle juice rose from Ilbalintia and swept Karora and his sons underground. There, deep inside the world, they also found the injured Tentarama. They remained there forever and became objects of worship for all generations to come. The great god Karora returned to his old sleeping place ready for another long nap. We go to Ilvalintia today to honor the great god with gifts. Karora smiles in his sleep, happy to have us visit. So then, that is the creation tale of the Arente tribe, a tale of life that sprouted from dreams. Our final story is from Africa. The Boshongo are the Bantu people of Central Africa. They are an ethnic group from the Congo River and the surrounding areas. Their creation myth involves a god called Pumbaa. He is usually depicted as a gigantic white man. The story goes that he created the world out of his own bodily fluids, especially vomit. In the beginning, the world comprised of three things, darkness, water, and the great Boomba. One day, Boomba was in terrible pain. He retched and vomited. He vomited up the sun, so after that, there was no darkness. Light spread over everything. The heat of the sun dried up the water until the black edges of the scorched land began to show. As more and more water evaporated, dry land slowly emerged. The world was now darkness and light, water and land, and of course, the great Boomba. Boomba then vomited up the moon 
and then the stars. And after that, the night too had light to call its own. Still, the great Boomba was in terrible pain. He strained and wretched again. And this time, living creatures began to appear. First came the leopard, and then the crested eagle, followed by the crocodile and one little fish named Yo. Next came the tortoise, and then the white heron, and also one beetle, and the goat named Buddy. Last of all came forth men. There were many men, but only one was white like Boomba. His name was Loko Yima. These creatures then created the other animals that we see today. The heron created all the birds of the sky, all except for the kite. He did not make the kite. The crocodile made the serpents and the iguana. The goat Buddy produced every living beast with horns. Yo, the small fish, brought forth the fish of the seas and the rivers. The beetle created the insects. Then serpents made grasshoppers, and the iguana made all the remaining animals without horns. Now, among the men, Boomba had three sons, who said they would finish building the world. The first son, Nonye Naganga, made the white ants. But he could not complete his remaining tasks and died before he could create the rest. The ants, thankful for their life, went searching for black earth in the depths of the world and covered the barren sands to bury and honor their creator. Chonganda, the second son, brought forth a marvelous living plant from which all trees, grasses, shrubs, and herbs have sprung. The third son, Chedubumba, wanted to make something different. He thought and thought and tried to make many things. But for all his efforts, he could only make the bird that he named the kite. Of all the creatures thus created, Setse, the lightning, was the only troublemaker. She stirred up so much trouble that the great Boomba chased her into the sky. Even today, Setse sometimes leaps down and strikes the earth, causing havoc and damage everywhere. Now, mankind back then did not know how to start a fire. The great Boomba showed the people how to draw it out of the wood. There is a fire in every tree, he shouted at men and then demonstrated how to make fire with wood and twigs. When at last, the work of creation was complete, Boomba walked through the peaceful villages and said to the people, Behold these wonders, they belong to you. Thus, from Boomba, our creator, came forth all the wonders that we see hold, use, 
and sometimes marvel at. From him came the brotherhood of beasts and man. This fantastic story then concludes the episode. Please do subscribe if you enjoyed the content. Help us out by leaving a feedback and a rating. Follow us on social media to keep up with the latest. Lastly, do share the podcast with your friends and family. Thank you for listening and join us in the next episode for Tales from the Apache Tribes of the United States. Goodbye.